clearly should stop this fighting. Otherwise, we'll miss the fireworks. There won't be any fireworks. And here we go. And welcome, everybody, to Socket. I am the great and powerful king of kings, prince of all that is awesome. Derek, how are you tonight on this Wednesday, January 27th of the year that is 2021? Whew. It's been a fun week so far. Um, you know, Monday we had a life coach, um, Tess Vergara, on. Um, yesterday, Tuesday, we had um, a hypnotherapist who specializes in LGBTQ and relationships and stuff like that. Um, we're really, you know recentering ourselves on the the main focus of the show the the mental health and the and the, what we really have come to know as the show is because again like i've been saying all week and last week you know by design you know i wanted to talk to more bands and other celebrities and stuff like that to again show you guys that even celebrities have the same issues that we share but then along the lines because i was doing that all the time i lost focus on the whole idea and the premise of the show so this week we're refocusing we're bringing authors and um therapists and this and that and survivors of you know mental health issues to really kind of refocus who we are as a show so that continues with this episode right here because i have with me tonight a survivor of childhood abuse dr rita louise has emerged as a gifted empath and talented clairvoyant medical, medical intuitive. Uh, she is the naturopathic physician and a founder of the Institute of Applied Energetics that trains students in the art of medical intuition, intuitive counseling, and energy medicine, and former host of Just, Ever Just Energy Radio. And she actually just released a book um, called The Dysfunctional Dance of the Empath and Narcissist. Um, it is a book about relationships and we'll get into all that and more with the lovely dr louise hey dr rita how are you i'm great how are you doing derek doing fantastically or at least i'm trying to be or at least i'm faking it enough to where you don't know <laughs> but remember i'm psychic so i know everything see i have other psychic friends too and <laughs> He, 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 he freaks me out a little bit, though. Like, I'll be having, like, a down day. And this guy lives in California. I'll be having a down day. And all of a sudden, I'll just get a text message with this words of inspiration. And I'm like, damn it, William. <laughs> <laughs> you know, y'all people scare me. <laughs> We're just people, too. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe a bit weird, depending on who you are, but... You know, oh, I'm weird. Regular. I'm weird too. So we we fit together, you know, very well. I just, you know, I I I I don't see dead people. I don't like seeing dead people personally. You know, <laughs> even though I did ghost hunting, and I would, you know, but I have a rule. It's like the dead people can stay in your house. I don't want them in my house. I have two dead people in my house. That's more than enough, and that's my rule. Don't. I'll visit you. Don't come visit me. I have a dead cat in my house, and that kind of freaks me out a little bit. Is it stinky? No, it's it's cremated, and I have to look at the box. Oh. 
All right, I have two dead dogs if you count it that way. <laughs> Actually, no, it's no longer here. My uh, soon-to-be ex-wife took it with her when she moved out. Um, so I don't have to look at that creepy cat anymore. I looked at it long enough. <laughs> um, so why don't we... Uh, <laughs> Joking aside now, um, why don't you tell me a little bit about yourself and tell my audience a little bit about yourself and what you do? Okay. So, um, you know, for, so for my day job, I work as a medical intuitive, you know, so simply said, a medical intuitive is a person that uses their intuition to help identify health issues. And so when I'm working with someone, you know, they might be having a physical problem. They might have like indigestion or, you know, they have a pain somewhere and they want my insights into what's going on. And I'm a naturopath, which is a holistic physician. And I provide them with, you know, supplements or, you know, you need to exercise, stop eating the junk food, whatever that is, you know, but then tied to that there, in my opinion, and per research that, you know, 80% of all diseases, there's always some emotional component to it. There's something going on inside of us that is finally manifested into the physical world. And so I work with people on that, helping them to understand why they got sick and then coming up with ideas or concepts or counseling to help them resolve whatever that inner turmoil is that is underlying their health concern. That's interesting because, you know, I've heard I've heard that before. Um, to where, you know, there's a emotional or a, a mental thing that is attached to the physical thing. And how, how often have you seen that being the case? I would say that it is a much smaller group of cases that don't have an emotional underscore, you really? know, so... You know, every so often I'll work with someone and there's not an emotional piece, you know, but usually it's tied to, they get a virus, you know, because that comes from the world around us, you know, yeah. there's something that's going on with them. And so even to a certain extent, things that are considered genetic, there's usually something within their psyche that is passed down psychologically generation to generation that they too manifest, you know, like gallbladder disease, you know, it is something that, you know, I had a client and she was having gallbladder issues. And so I'm talking about her ability to plan because we store that energy there and it wasn't, and, and she couldn't plan. She couldn't plan her way out of a paper bag. And, um, you know, so I commented to her about that and it's not that her gallbladder that she had lost the ability, she had never been trained in that ability. Turns out neither of her parents had gallbladders. Her like uncle didn't have a gallbladder, you know, grandfather didn't have a gallbladder and apparently they were all bad planners. And so that she was never taught how to plan. So it became a deficiency within her life and within her body. Interesting. Now, again, now you're talking more about like, you know, viruses and those types of things, not like cancer or tumors, right? Right. Cancer or tumors, there's usually some kind of an emotional piece that's going on, you know, and I do add one other piece because we do live in the 21st century and that's the concept. And I'm going to say of neglect. We How's don't that? eat right. 
we don't exercise. You know, we think that having Fruit Loops or Lucky Charms for breakfast is a balanced breakfast. And then we go on to eat fast food for lunch or dinner. And so we're not treating our bodies or caring for our bodies in the way that they need to be taken care of. And so the potentiality of some disease, because now from a, and then we become like immunocompromised. How's that? You know, we're, we're just weak. And so we're not able to hold off what's going on. And so there might be an emotional piece, but it becomes amplified because we don't have any inner strength to combat it. Okay. Did that make sense? No, it makes, yeah, it makes perfect sense. Um, because, you know, you've got to have some type of fight. And if you have, if, if it's just emotional, you know, that's weighing you down and you're not going to, you're just going to give up and it's going to get worse and worse and worse and worse. So yeah, mm -hmm. that, no, that makes a hundred percent sense. Well, and, and I'll, I'll use a case that makes, will really kind of exemplify it. You know, they say diabetes runs in a family, you know, and to me, diabetes is a giving disease. You'd either don't know how to give your energy or you don't more often than not know how to receive it from other people, receive a smile, receive a compliment, whatever that may be. Mm. But people that heal that within themselves, there might still be this tendency for diabetes. But then if you eat a bunch of sugar and, you know, are really overweight and those things, the physical pieces, it can make the diabetes come up a lot faster than if you took care of yourself and it could sit in the background and not actually activate within your body yeah though that is yeah i mean i mean how many people in the world you know has gotten a phone call from their mom or dad and them saying oh i just got diagnosed as a diabetic while you know we're on the phone eating a snickers bar going oh that sucks <laughs> you know hate to be you <laughs> um but no you're you're not wrong and then you know we don't learn from those mistakes and we, you know, continue to do those exact same things. You know, mm -hmm. it, it's the same thing as, you know, um, and obviously there is a genetic component to diabetes mm -hmm. and there's a genetic you know, component to a lot of different things. But like one of the things is like alcoholism, you know, um, if you're both your parents and all your uncles and aunts are all alcoholics, yet you think oh it'll never happen to me as you guzzle down a six-pack every night it's you know it's one of those things where the same thing it's the same concept um mm -hmm. you know we've got to be conscious of what we're doing to ourselves regardless of you know anything else it, you know even if we didn't have that family history there's still a risk involved obviously so it's like what are you doing to yourself you know pretty much pretty much you know but it, it it really is with most things you know if you really take a step back to behaviors that are not satisfying to you. You know, you hate your job, you're in a crappy relationship. You know, sometimes if you take a step back and go, well, why am I here? And, and why am I doing this to myself? Why am I engaging in, in this behavior or in this situation? Then you can make different life choices. You know, same with the alcoholism, same with, you know, you know, somebody's like complains about being overweight as they're eating a bag of chips. You know, it's kind of like, it's about those choices and, you know, and I'm going to say, ultimately taking responsibility. If you don't like what's going on, then you got it. And then you got to change it. Yeah. And I've, and I've used that, you know, 
expression or whatever you know many many times on the show i mean we control our own life we we're the only ones that have that ultimate control um of what we do on a daily basis i mean there's nobody putting a wall in front of you except for yourself um Mm -hmm. you know that wall is is built by you Uh, you know you can blame your boss your wife your best friend or mom and dad for the you know the majority of your life but the, the real thing about it is by saying, well, it, they just won't allow me to do that, or whatever the case might be, you're building that wall because nobody's gonna allow you to do anything. You just do it yourself, um, mm-hmm. and the same rules applies to this as well. Um, so I want to kind of uh, dive into the idea behind the book, okay? Um, because aside from everything else that you do, which I, is fun and interesting, and everything else in the world. Um, and I could have conversations with you about it on hours upon hours upon end. Um, the book is actually the reason why I wanted you on because it relates specifically to what's going on in my life right now. And um, because, you know, I'm going through a divorce, like I just mentioned. Mm-hmm. And this is actually my second divorce. Um, and... You know, even before that, I had a long-term relationship with somebody, you know, that um, had my, my first daughter. Um, so, but we were never married. But, like, I've noticed myself, you know, falling into the same traps over and over and over again in relationships. Mm-hmm. And um, it, it's almost like I, I've dated the same person eight different times they were just had a different mind a different body and a different name but it's the exact same person and i don't recognize that and for some reason the negativity and the toxicity of it all attracts me in and pulls me in and it's like you know i'm very masochistic that way abuse me mentally fuck it you know and that's how i feel sometimes and when i was reading the you know the, your um the excerpt from your book and you know, reading a little bit about it, I'm like, yeah, this, 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 this screams to me. So obviously your intuition about sending me the information about the book was dead on. <laughs> Good. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, it really does. It was like, Ooh, it, it, it really kind of made me think. It's like, why, why do as a, because this is not happening just to me. It's happened a lot. Why, after we've been hurt, do we seek out that similar type over and over and over again? You know, even though we know the end result, like we think that it's going to be different every time. And and that's why when people say, oh, you have a type, it's like, oh, that scares me because I don't want to have that type because that's an abusive type. I don't want any part of that. But then it's like, (laughs) oh, shit, I do have that type. And and again, it's like, but some people don't have that and some people do. But I think it's more inherently possible that more people have that than don't. So... um... Where do I want to go with you? Please, let's go. <laughs> well, I just am like, wow, we're on air and we're going to do this. You know, so I'm just going to kind of give you my two cents of what I see about you right now. I get the impression that when you get into a relationship, there's a part of you that wants to fix the other person. And so you kind of get sucked into this, I'm going to kind of take care of you or emotionally support you. And 
that's part of your fix. I don't know if that's wholly accurate. Because like my my la my current wife that you know her and I are divorced and we've been together for thirteen years, and when I met her she was still in high I mean still in high school still in college and you know just getting ready to graduate, and I don't remember them there being anything about her that I needed to fix that kind of drew me into her, but like it was just. But let me ask you a question. But did you kind of end up supporting her? I think it was more the other way around. Okay. Okay. Because um, when I met so her, I was going through my first divorce. And so you were so you were in a broken place at that point in time, anyway. Correct. Got it. You know, and, and I'm I'm just going to kind of back out and say, you know, a lot of times we go and attract people that make us feel comfortable. You know, and what I have found is that people. Uh, like a little hair thing going on, you know, people that come from, and I'll say dysfunctional families tend to just attract dysfunctional people, you know, because that's what they know. That's what's comfortable. They know that in the big picture, they don't know what right looks like, you know, and they will allow behaviors to happen that maybe aren't that healthy, you know, so just you know, a little of my history and where one, how the book came about. So I've been married four times. My last husband died. So I don't really count that as like a breakup, but I've had a, a number of other relationships that were like, <laughs> not good, you know? So when you talk about like not good relationships, you know, you'd find me in the dictionary next to toxic. Um, and one of the things that I uncovered was, well, what's going on with me, you know, that I need to change in me to have the relationship work, you know? And so for my own personal story, and people laugh, it's like, it's very challenging for me to, to speak my mind in a relationship, you know? And so something will happen and I'll just, you know, kind of take it, you know, and then I'll get over it. You know, versus saying, well, you know, that really sucked or that hurt me or, you know, you asked me to do this and I really don't want to, um, you know, and not having boundaries around what I'm interested in or not interested in, you know, and so I'd get in these relationships and it would just be the same thing would happen over and over again, because I didn't establish what I wanted and what I needed in the relationship early on so that it would just turn into something else, you know? And so it was suggested to me. And, I, and so, and I can see this with some of the relationships that I've had where I did not teach my partner. I did not communicate what I needed to my partner. I had the expectation that they would read my mind and figure it out. And if I was upset, I would just not say anything about it. And so after a while, I just went off into my corner and I allowed, I allowed them to become more and more dominant and more and more controlling. And it's not that they were necessarily a controlling person, but I gave them the opportunity to do that. Mm. You know, so I created, or we created this distorted uh, balance 
that is that's in the relationship. Yeah, um, <clears throat> that actually speaks volumes because that's exactly kind of where I came from at first. So the way I was raised, um, and I don't think I was. It was like my dad ever said, you know, this is how it needs to be done. But actions speak louder than words. And the entire time my mom and dad were married up until the point where I think I was 14 or 15 when they separated, I can't remember. Um, I watched my dad bow to my mom's every whim. You know, beckon and call, you know, at her feet, yes, honey, yes, honey, yes, honey, like a little puppy. And she took full advantage of that. And she'll admit that. I mean, I mean, what person wouldn't? I mean, it's it's wrong, but I mean, it's oh, they want to give everything to me. Okay, cool. I'll let them have it. Um, and, and that's how my dad was. So when I they broke up, and when I moved out on my own, you know, a couple years, three years later, whatever it was, and I met my first um, girl from my mom, excuse me, my the daughter of my uh, oldest. Um, it was the exact same way. I let her, you know control it. I, I was, I was bowing to her every whim. And then with my first wife, the same thing, but she took it as far as my mom did, but then only mm -hmm. then went even worse with it. Cause my, my ex-wife was very abusive, um, physically and mentally. Um, and, uh, but she, you know, let me have it. I mean, it was horrific at, at times. I mean, I, I'll never forget the day that I, um, told her I wanted a divorce um, I had just got done working a double shift between two different jobs, like 14 hour day. And I come home from work and she's been out at Disney all day with her parents and the, and our daughter. And the first words out of her mouth after I've been gone for 14 hours is why are the dishes done? Like you were at fucking Disney all day and you're asking me why are the dishes? Okay. Yeah. And when I told her that she immediately walked into our daughter's um, bedroom and she was changing her diaper and she took off her wedding ring and threw it in the dirty diaper and threw it away. I'm like, all I had to do is say one divorce one time. And she was like, okay, cool. See ya. It's like, whoa. And, and it was like that right there triggered something. I'm like, I, I, I've been like this forever. You know, I've allowed it to get to this point to where mm -hmm. I can't even stand up for myself without people completely freaking out on me because it's not something that I normally do. And now they're ch being challenged and they don't want to be challenged. It's like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to walk away. And that's exactly how it felt in that moment. And then that moment, um, actually not, it was like, an, it wasn't like an overnight thing, but like over the course of time between that moment and the time I met my, my second wife, um, something changed in me. Now it's like, I, I never don't speak my mind. I never don't you know, hold back when it comes to my emotions. Now it's just like, I vomit like all the time. Just like every, every emotion, everything I'm feeling, I don't care. It just comes out. Mm -hmm. And, and so well, now I've gone from one opposite to the other. Let me ask you a question. So after you vomit at your soon to be ex-wife, um, do you walk away and kind of think, wow, that was a little over the top, you know, or, well, she didn't really deserve that or something, you know, maybe not all the time, but, but at times. <clears throat> if, you know, I throw out something other than how I'm feeling, like if I'm just like, you know, emotionally vomiting all over the place, then that's a different scenario. Cause I'm, I'm letting you know how I feel. But then if I let you know how I feel tied in with some, you know, backhanded, 
you know, sarcastic comment along with it, that's when I'll feel bad. Um, Mm -hmm. But it's like, it's almost like me telling you, it's not, you know, me letting you know that this is how I'm feeling isn't enough. That I gotta, I gotta take that extra little dig in there to kind of Mm -hmm. let you know how I'm feeling. I don't want you to know how I'm feeling. I want you to know how I'm feeling. And I think that's where it kind of comes from. It's like, yeah, you've listened to everything I've said. And I appreciate you listening to everything I've said. However, I'm really, really hurting. And I don't think you understand that. So here's the sarcastic comment. Now we're, now we're even. And so, and, and this is something I would like you to just to come contemplate, not necessarily here, but just in general, that perhaps when those situations are happening, you're, I mean, you, you might be upset by something that your wife did, but really where the anger and the rage and all of those really heavy set emotions are really coming from was from your past relationship, you know, or from your mom, Oh, absolutely. you know, and, and your wife just has the current phase of what's pushing that button. That's already on overload. Yeah. I mean, I've been diagnosed with PTSD. So yeah, that, that, yeah, the stuff from my ex-wife is going to haunt me forever. Um, so yeah, that you're hit the nail on the head with that too. Um, but at the same time, now it's like, you know. You know, but there are ways to deal with the PTSD. Yes, lock myself in a closet and let nobody no, talk to me. No, no. <laughs> you know, I mean, just one, and, and this is for anybody listening, you know, I mean, if you are overreacting and, or being triggered by stuff pretty quickly, you know, perhaps just, you know, instead of reacting, taking a few deep breaths, maybe walking out of the room, you know, giving yourself a little bit of air so that you can kind of reground yourself, kind of get whole with yourself again, and then go back and actually make the communication where it's not coming from a place of anger and being triggered, but from a more grounded, whole, I like to say neutral place. Yeah. And to be honest with you, I mean, that's not something I haven't heard before, and it's not something I, tr- you know, haven't tried. Um, however, you know, it's not necessarily an excuse, but more of a reason that I need to figure out how to deal with. Um, when I do walk away from a situation that I'm, you know, after I've, you know, released my, my anger or released my, you know, my emotions and let you know, hey, this is how it is, and I've been completely fine with it, you know, Everything was fine. You get it. I get it. Nobody's mad at each other, but I'm, I still didn't feel enough, you know, and I needed to say something else, you know. I needed to just make that sarcastic comment, or I needed to make sure you extra know how I feel. And if I don't do that and I walk away, my bipolar brain, you know, immediately, <laughs> you know, starts saying, should have said this. And then I get angry at myself. And then... I get put into a depressive state because now it's like, this is weighing on me. I needed to say this. I needed to say this. And so you, get, you get bad brain. That's what I call yeah, it. I mean, no, I, I really am bipolar. So, I mean, you know, it, you know, me not speaking my mind triggers my depression. Me speaking my mind too much triggers me being manic. And then I just start rambling and I'm just like, I'm going, I'm going, I'm going, I'm going mile a minute, you know? And that's how, that's how it is. But with the opposite, it's it triggers the depression in me because I, I didn't let them know how I feel. Now it's going to weigh on me, and now it's going to make me feel even worse. It's it's a vicious cycle. See, but I call that bad brain. 
you know, and when you come from a, you know, I'll say dysfunctional family, you know, or had trauma in your life, you know, it's pretty easy to get into that bad brain mode, you know, where you start ruminating about, well, you know, I should have said this, or I should have done that, or I should have done this, you know, and again, you can take that and go, okay, okay, so this was me. I was the queen of ruminating. I mean, the queen, something stupid could happen. And I could be thinking about that damn thing for weeks, literally weeks. And then eventually I'd get over it. And, um, you know, so now, you know, because I mean, I've been working on my own healing journey. So now when I find that I'm in that bad brain place where I'm in that ruminating place, mm -hmm. I go, oh, I'm ruminating. Well, what am I ruminating about? But usually when you're there, you're a lot calmer than in that moment, you know, where you were upset. And I don't think it would be bad to go back and say, you know, you know how we were talking the other day, you know, I'm calmer now and this is really what I mean. And that's why I'm kind of suggesting that you maybe pull that back and not react in the moment so that you can regroup that mental process and then address it. Because even if you give yourself 24 hours, hell, even if you give yourself two hours to calm and mentally think about, well, this is what's really bothering me. You can, it gets rid of the rumination. It gets rid of the bad brain. Trust me. Trust me. Yeah. It does. Yeah. Um... yeah. I mean, because if you think about it, you know, it's like if something happened and now you're like vomiting on your wife, I'm sure her experience of it was probably not all that pleasant. No, either. it's not. <laughs> I, I know for a fact it wasn't, but I mean... That was never the, um, never the intention, you know, I, I never did it with the intent of, you know, making, you know, other people hurt or, you know, especially, um, you know, you know what I'm saying? It, it wasn't like, I, I'm not trying to hurt you, but I'm just trying to make you understand how I feel. And sometimes it was, um, you know, it, it, I didn't make a, a cheap shot in order to get them to feel a certain way. Um, mm -hmm. but at the same time, it was never intention to f make you feel that I feel a certain way. It was just, I, I want you to feel how I'm feeling. So I want to, I know, I don't believe this is true, but I know it, you're sensitive to it. So I'm going to say it now, you know, just to get it, you know, take that dig at you, but mm -hmm. you know, I'm just kidding. Right. But I just want you to understand, you know, and that's kind of how it was. And it was, yeah, it's never very, uh, never. Okay. Very so this is the Dr. Rita advice. Stop. <laughs> stop doing that yeah um you know because sometimes all right so this is what i have found is that sometimes something will happen you know and there's not any intention on their part on their part you know but it triggers something in us you know and now we're hurting and we're like ah. um you know so the choice the choice is you can just sit there and unload, you know, or you could take a step back and actually 
have a conversation because you might find out what's well, like, well, you know, I only went to take the garbage out or, you know, I only, you know, that there wasn't any intention on their part. They were trying to do, you know, the best thing for the relationship or whatever it is. And it's like, oh, you know, or they weren't feeling good or whatever their reason for behaving in that way is. And so, you know, so like my boyfriend was sick recently and, um, and so he was sleeping on the sofa. I was up in the, in the bedroom watching TV. And then at some point in time, he just came upstairs, turned the light on um, and like gave me this look. Oh, he told me that I could go downstairs. And it was like, well, I was comfortable, but basically he kicked me out of the room. And what I felt, what I felt like, and what lit me up was, you know, well, you're kicking me out of this room. Um, you didn't even ask me. <laughs> and, you know, and I just felt like he wanted to be left alone. And so I ruminated on it for a few days and, you know, but then finally, because it was making me crazy because I just was thinking about it and thinking about it and thinking about it. You know, I said, you know, Hey, can we talk about what was going on? And so I didn't realize just how sick he felt. And, um, you know, and apparently he was really nauseous and, you know, he thought he had COVID. And so then he was all worried that he thought he had COVID and, blah, blah, blah. um, you know, but now I understand like when he gets sick, cause I've never seen him sick like this. If he's that level of sick that he just wants to be left alone. And I just need to acknowledge that that's what he needs in that moment is to be left alone. And I shouldn't take offense that he was kind of being a jerk to me. Yeah. because that's just where he's at. But if we didn't have that conversation, then I would never know to like put a little mental note on my little yellow pad that I keep over here of things that make things work better. How's that? Yeah. <clears throat> See, I'm the complete opposite. So for any future women in my life, know that when <laughs> I'm sick, I expect to be babied. <laughs> I want all the attention. Bring me soup, feed it to me, and then pat me on the head and call me a good boy. That's what I need when I am sick. <laughs> well, to be honest with you, I think that's what he really needed, to be honest with you. Yeah. Um, but he wasn't very – well, one, he didn't communicate it. And if I had – so I'm half Jewish, so I totally got the Jewish mother thing going on. So if I knew he was that sick, man, I would have been like – I would have been bringing him soup. Fluffing his pillow and tucking him in the bed. And what channel do you want on the TV set? You know, but yeah, he didn't like give me that opportunity to take care of him. See, all, he pissed me off. All, all <laughs> men regress to being a five-year-old boy when they get sick. I think that's a, a common thing that happens to every man. We, mm -hmm. we immediately regress to being five years old again. Um, all right, so we're going to talk more about the relationships in the book here in a second. Um, but I'm going to first, I'm going to take a quick break. And we will be right back all right so tonight's episode is brought to you by loot crate loot crate is a monthly or tri-monthly tri-monthly quarterly quarterly there it's called quarterly box that allows you to get the greatest quality nerd gear that you could possibly ever want whether it's a harry potter box whether it's an anime box whether it's a marvel or Deadpool or WWE crate. Loot crate has the best in there. 
You know, you the month the box I got this month was a shirt, um, a little accessory tray, a sticker, a, a giant coffee mug. It was fantastic, and you, you can't go wrong. There, there's little like thirty bucks a month, or thirty bucks every three months. Um, and with my promo code Suck It Podcast, you get fifteen percent off of that. So go to LootCrate.com or click the link in the description of this video or bio, and go there and use code Suck It Podcast for fifteen percent off your first box. Trust me, Loot Crate. Best nerd gear out there. And now we are back. All right. Back. Had to get, you know, had to pay some bills. Um, all right. So. Breathe. <laughs> <laughs> No, I had read something in your original email that I wanted to go back to, um, and I'm just trying to figure out exactly how to word it. Um, so, yeah, so back to what I originally had said, you know, when we constantly are trying to find someone to quote unquote make us happy or be happy with or whatever. Um, even though nobody chooses happiness in somebody else, you have to choose happiness within yourself. Nobody's going to ever make you happy, but why? And I know we try to dissect it more, but it still, it just doesn't make any sense to me. Why do you know, I and millions of others constantly seek out the wrong person. You know, why are we constantly falling into that same trap every time and then doing nothing but bitch about it later? You know, we're not, we don't take responsibility for it. It's just like, oh, these these toxic people just know how to find me. No, you were just a magnet for them and you just accept it for how it is. I, I've accepted that. I'm a, I'm a magnet for toxicity. That's fine. Just call me the Joker. It is what it is. But, you know, that's just how it is. And I don't understand why. But it doesn't have to be that way. But why is it to begin with? Because that's what you learned. You know, that's the vibration that you're coming in on. I mean, are you familiar with the concept of the law of attraction? Yes. Okay. So based on, I'm going to use that as kind of the framework, you know, so based on the law of attraction, you attract, you know, whatever energy you put out there. So if your internal energy is kind of broken or dysfunctional, then that's where you're going to attract back. You know, one of the, I, I learned two things. The two biggest things that I learned in my healing journey is it's my responsibility to make me happy. So if I'm not happy, then I need to change what's going on, which may include ending a relationship. Yes. You know, and then the second thing is that I have a choice, you know, and I can choose to like be with you or not accept this from you or not, you know? And so I think that people that, there's a, a woman, she does a lot of videos on YouTube, Lisa Romano, and she made this one statement and I thought it was, I don't want to say prophetic because it wasn't, but, you know, but really nailed the head on it was that it's not that people attract, that only attract toxic people to them, you know, it's that they let them stay longer because if you were healthier on the inside, you'd be like, 
adios amigo you know um you know it's like because a lot of the times it's like you'll allow bad behavior and just blow it off you know or write it off or make an excuse for them you know of their bad behavior but a lot of times it's like you know, what we're really wanting is we want to be loved. We want to receive approval. We want to, we don't want to be alone, you know, so there's motivation deeper within us, which is the part that needs to be healed, you know, so that we're not constantly looking for someone else to fill that void within us because that void is what we're sending out there. Mm. You know, I had a girlfriend years ago who was looking for a relationship. And, and was married once. I mean, it, that was 15 years before. And, and so we were kind of working kind of a law of attraction thing. And I said, well, what do you want in a relationship? And she was like, breathing. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, okay. You know, and so she really wasn't clear about what she needed and what she needed to receive from this other person, you know? And so she would be open to really any crappy person that would pay attention to her. And, you know, that was my big thing. It's like, oh, well, they're paying attention to me. They like me. It didn't matter that whether I like them or not, or whether I thought they were kind of sleazy or whatever the thing was, they liked me. And that's really all that mattered. That's yeah. a bad place to be in. <laughs> yeah. Um, <sighs> at the same time, though, um, you know, how, how much is it at like a Freudian, you know, you know, that whole you marry your father, you marry your mother thing, too? How much of that, you know, plays into what we're talking about, too? But see, again, it's like, it's what you're used to. It's what you're comfortable with. You know, it really takes kind of a lot of balls to sit there and go, I don't want this anymore. You know, I want it to be different. You know, I want to have a different experience. Um, and that can be kind of scary, you know, and put you into some really uncharted territory and into new territory that you've never experienced before. So like the gentleman that I'm with now, I mean, this is like, I'm just like putting all my dirt out here. The gentleman- I do it every day, so it's okay. <laughs> um, you know, when we first started dating, it's like, he was really nice to me. I mean, really genuinely nice to me. You don't know how many hours I sat crying because he was nice to me because it was just so weird and different. And then I felt like a retard because, you know, now I'm sitting here bawling because this man is nice to me and what's wrong with me because, you know, he's just being nice to me, you know, but you have to, you know, there's an energy that just kind of can keep you locked in place and figuring out what that is and what, where you're at, you know, and that's some of the stuff that I talk about you know, in the book is that it opens up and talks about early childhood wounding and really goes through different things that create impact on the developing psyche, you know, your position in the family, you know, whether you were the golden child or the scapegoat, 
you know, whether you had attachment issues with your parents, you know, whether there was some kind of abuse going on, which includes neglect, you know, so your parents might not yell at you, but they might not pay any attention to you or really act like they care about whether you live or die. They just like give you some food and clothes and, you know, have a good life. Um, you know, play a significant role. And the book opens up with really kind of taking an inventory of this is where I'm coming from. And it's from this viewpoint that I'm looking at the world, but that's also the energy I'm sending out to the universe because that's who I am. I'm broken, I'm dysfunctional, I'm worthless, I'm invisible you know, yeah. uh, and powerless, whatever that is. And you see people will go and attract to that because they're creating the balance of that deficient part. So if you're powerless, you're going to attract someone who is overpowerful because it's trying to make a whole, it's trying to make a hundred. Yeah. Um, so I've, one of my um, friends was in a similar situation as you, but kind of like the opposite. Um, he was the nice guy and, you know, he got with someone who was broken inside, you know, whatever you want to, however you want to classify it. Um, and, you know, she was in, came out of abusive relationships, like multiple abusive relationships, had all these issues and he was just like the nice guy all the time. And she would actually get mad at him and actually make snarky comments to him just to get him to get mad at her. So that she at least felt comfortable again. Like, she didn't feel comfortable with the, the niceness at all, like you were just mm -hmm. describing. But she actually took it a step further and actually tried to make him angry so she would get yelled at so she would feel more comfortable. It's like, mm -hmm. I, I love you so much, but just punch me, yell at me, kick me, something. And that's how she kind of wanted it. It was like, and that was like, and it freaked him out. But, you know, they eventually got therapy and they went to therapy together and they worked through it. And now they're happily married and things are fine. But at the first, it was just like... I watched it like actually happen or apologize about it, but I was like, whoa, that's, you know, odd. It was just, you know, but again, it's something that we, it's a learned behavior. And if we don't get what we, regardless of whether it's toxic or not, if we don't get it, we're, we almost command it. And see, that's a great story, you know, of somebody actually taking it to that point. And I'm really happy that, you know, they got some counseling and are working through it. You know, I think a lot of people who are trauma survivors, you know, really need someone to be able to, I'm going to say, hear their story, not necessarily, you know, the details of the story, but to be able to be there and be present and at least accepting of, you know, I'm overreacting because I'm being triggered because of something that happened, you know, a gajillion years ago. You know, my husband that passed away, his parents, you know, they made mine look great. We, I met them once and his dad, uh, they had these dogs and the dog was doing something and he started yelling at the dog. And I swear to God, this man's eyes turned red. I mean, and, and you could just feel him getting angry. And then he looked at me. And I looked at him and I'm looking at his freaking gray glowing eyes. And he went, Ooh, can't do this. Have company, have to calm down. And he brought his energy back down. 
And in my brain, I'm thinking, oh my God, he was only like on a three or a four and this man could go to a 10. And that was the man who would beat my husband when he was a kid, you know? And so he and I could relate because we both came from that place. And so we could understand it's like, oh, you know, you're just really being triggered. Okay. What do I need to do to help unwind you? You know, and so having that safe person to be your partner can be just a really healing experience because now there's a safe place to land, you know, a non-judgmental place to land. Okay, I'm not hearing you. Oh, that was my fault. Um <laughs> Um, I muted myself to cough and I just forgot to unmute myself. Um, I I guess, you know, I I guess what it comes down to is even after, you know, I'm almost 40 years old, you know, after everything I've been through, it's like, I, I still don't understand relationships. I don't understand how it works, you know, and it's a constant battle within myself. Am I doing this right? Am I doing this wrong? Am I doing too much? Am I doing too little? Um, and it was, it's just a constant back and forth. And, and I don't even know what's right and what's wrong anymore. And it, it's almost like, it's just like, okay, whatever happens, happens. I'm just going to make jokes about it anyway. So and that's how I am. And I, I just, it's gotten to the point where I, I, for lack of a better term, we're just like, you know, fuck it. That's how I feel. And I don't like that feeling. You know, and I'm going to say this, you know, in a, in a very loving way, but I mean, have you thought about doing counseling? Have you done counseling? I do counseling. You know, I mean, and not all counts. I mean, not all counselors are alike, you know, I mean, ones that there are ones that work specifically with PTSD people, you know, yeah, mine, mine specifically really works with, uh, mine, I was able to find somebody that deals with people that are bipolar and like PTSD can combine. So like they, they have that specialty. So yeah. So I was yeah. able to luckily find somebody like that. And, and you know, they put up with me more than they should because it's, <laughs> she just constantly is like, Derek, answer the damn question. I'm trying to talk to you, you know what? And I'm too busy making sarcastic remarks because you know, my, again, my brain does not like to, and this conversation has been proof of that too because I've done it 10 different times when I'm in the middle of a serious conversation I don't like being serious I cannot do it because I know that if it gets too deep and too dark I'm gonna go into a depression so it's like okay how do I avoid this okay so we're gonna we're gonna it's gonna be nice and steady nice and steady serious 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 and sarcasm and, and that's what I do the entire time and I can mm-hmm. never stay serious for longer than a five to 10 minute period of time or, or I'm going to go absolutely insane. And, and that doesn't change when I'm in a therapy session either. You know, on Sunday nights, when I talk to this lady, it's like, I, 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 I can't go five minutes without making a, a, some type of sarcastic joke. And it, it's, you it know, but bothersome. perhaps, perhaps, you know, something that you can talk with her about is what you can do when you go down the rabbit hole to help bring you back out of the rabbit hole, you know, so that you can learn 
you know, because it is a learning process. It's a changing of behavior. It's creating new neural pathways where you can learn that if I'm having a serious conversation and I start going down the rabbit hole, I have tools to get me back out. And maybe I won't go so far down into it, you know, because that's your scared place. You know, I'm going to go there, you know, so what can I do so I don't go there? Or if I go there, what can I do to get me back out? Because I feel like once you're comfortable that you can get yourself out of that bad place, that you'll be more open to opening up and, and, and having that experience or exploring the tougher parts that are in there. Yeah. It's almost like, I, I think you said it best, and, uh, but I'll say it my way. It's almost like I just don't even want to face the trauma. I don't want it. I don't want it to. I don't want to talk about it at all. I know it's there, and, and it's eventually going to come out. But I'm going to make every effort possible to be sarcastic about it in the process, because that's the only way I know how to deal with it. I, I mean, the only way I know how to deal with my trauma at all is to make fun of it and be self-deprecating with it, like talking about it and trying to actually heal it. Count me out, but let me be. You know, let me make fun of myself about it. I'm all about all day long because it's funny to me. Hey, have you ever tried that EMDR, that light thing? No, what's that? So it's a light bar. It helps to balance out the brain and helps to desensitize you to different things. And at first I thought it was like really stupid. <laughs> okay. But, you know, because you're just like following this light back and forth. And actually, I didn't even do the light because I found that annoying. And they did tones in my ears. And, um, but I think it really helped, you know. And basically, you would go to a traumatic memory or to an experience. And then it would like, you kind of like follow, like, okay, so I'm here. And then the next thing you know, you'd be somewhere else. And then the next thing you knew, you'd be somewhere else. And the next thing you know, and, and so one, you really didn't talk other than to say, well, this is where I'm at now kind of thing. But I really think that it helped, you know, so that might be something. And if, you know, that's in the, the tool bag, tool bag, you know, so when I was doing that, um, so I have mommy issues too. So, um, you know, so I would start somewhere and then the next thing I would be with my mom. And I mean, it would be like this white knuckle tear coming down like, and then several times during these sessions, the next image is I would be in hell. Like, Oh, yay. I'm in hell. Except, you know, what the really scariest part of all of that was What's up? that being in hell was better than being in the room with my mom. Yeah, I know that feeling. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, well, that's pretty eye-opening. Um, you know, but that's something you might suggest or look into because I'm sure your therapist is familiar with that because that's a pretty, it is a fast-growing area of therapy in that field. Hmm. And it doesn't require you to talk. You know, because it just goes and works with the subconscious brain. Gotcha. I'll have to look into that. I'll have to talk to her about that this weekend. Because that's, that's interesting. Because 
while for my career and for my you know my my stand-up comedy and stuff like that everything i'm saying is very very beneficial but the moment i bring it to my personal world that's when it starts taking a toll and you know it's like i'm almost like i said i'm almost 40 years old and you know it's like i can't keep doing this but at the same time i don't know how to stop you know and, and again i i'm right. seeing therapists and i'm still seeing one and it's like not even with them i, I still combat it I, i'm still combative about it but you know that might be a great conversation to have is what that is or you know like my therapist has me do it has me do journaling you know so i've got like books you know and and then that would be the question it's like you know so what makes you be so combative every time you know and just kind of go through questions and go through scenarios to kind of shine some light on what's going on you know yeah and maybe i need to do that and have those more of those conversations because i know i frustrate her when we get deep and i just i can't talk um because obviously there's some definite deep-seated issues there um mm -hmm. and you know again i want to fix it it's just that it, they're it's obviously really hard well, you know, and sometimes the issues are so old, you know, I know for me, some of the biggest trauma that I experienced was between the ages of one and three. Okay. And so that's pretty verbal, you know, and so there are these body experiences, you know, and these feelings that you have, but to sit there and have a memory tied to it, eh, nothing. You know, <laughs> to have words tied to it, maybe not so much. You know, the adult mind can observe it and go, oh, well, this is what you're seeing. But from the person in that situation, I got nothing. I'm sure it's a telemarketer because that's all I get is telemarketer phone calls. <laughs> um, we would like to talk to you about your car's extended warranty. Um, mm -hmm. yeah, sure. those and are always the... call back in like 10 minutes <laughs> again. <'cause> I... <laughs> and, and nine times out of 10, they call you about a car that you don't even have anymore. I don't have that car, <laughs> but anyway, I digress. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> see, I did it again. Um, it's all very, very interesting. Um, it, it you didn't say anything I didn't already know. But it was nice to be able to talk about it with somebody different um, and get a different perspective on it. Well, and it just seems like, you know, you're just a little bit resistant to going there. Oh, I'm very resistant. Like you want it to change, but yeah, maybe not so much. Yeah, it's almost like I would, I, I want to find somebody as broken as I am. Therefore, we can make self-deprecating jokes about each other. And about whose trauma's worse, <laughs> you know, I, I, that almost sounds cathartic in a way. Well, like my one husband, I mean, I found that it was helpful because we understood each other. You know, we both came from the same place. Yeah. You know, so, um, you know, but healing is possible. And sometimes you just have to sit there and bite the bullet. I mean, this is probably, all right, I'm not a chicken, 
okay? And most of my friends think, excuse my French, that I have the biggest balls of anybody they know because I'll just go and do stuff. It's like start a radio show, sure, you know, go do this, sure. Um, this is probably the hardest thing I've ever done in my life is to go through this inner healing journey. You know, so I'm just sharing that with you. You know, if you think it's easy and you go to counseling a couple times, no. It's hard. It's gotten it's gotten harder as time goes on because it's gone on too. Like I can't continue to to fight it the way I have been. I need to you know eventually just stop and just accept it. Um, so yeah, that's yeah. I I need to figure out a better way. But you've definitely given me some things to think about. That's my job. Um, <laughs> And I'm glad we had this conversation because, I, like I said, I mean, I, when I saw what you wrote, I was like, oh, God, this is perfect. Um, you know, all the other stuff is, like I said, it's extremely interesting. And I would really love, like, like nope, the relationship stuff. I got it. Yeah, this is what I got to talk about. Because, um, again, and I know there's millions of other people like me in the world that constantly seek out that toxicity without even realizing that's what we're doing. It's like, oh, look, another wrong person for me. Let me just go say hi, <laughs> you know? Well, and, the, and the sad part is, is that you don't even know they're the wrong person until like, you know, a couple of years later, a few years later. And then it's like, oh my God, what was I thinking? I did it again. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> at, at this point now, it's like, you know, finding a relationship in my world is like going to your local BDSM club, finding the prettiest mistress there, letting her spank you and say, thank you, ma'am, may I have another? That's that's what relationships feel like to me now, just constantly getting spanked by the pretty lady and just saying, thank you, do it again. <laughs> well, you know, then maybe it's time for you to just take a relationship break and work on you. Ooh, <laughs> I got very quiet. <laughs> The sarcasm in me wants to say, what's the fun in that? Because then I lose all, then I lose, you know, the power of joke writing. Because then I'd be like, I'm alone all the time. And I'd be, you know, it's never okay for me to be alone. Do not leave me alone for a long period of time. Bad things happen. Well, you know, sometimes when there are those things that create a lot of fear in us are the things that need to be addressed first. Sorry. Why do you got to keep making valid points? Because I'm good at it. <laughs> I, I joke, but I'm, I'm like legitimately dying inside going, damn, this lady's so I'm, freaking right. That's, that's okay. It's like when your mic didn't come up before, I thought you were crying. So. <laughs> no, um, no, I, I, again, I just coughed and forgot to unmute myself. But no, seriously, it's like I, I'm right now. I'm like literally going, oh my God, you know? And it's like, okay, I can't be sad, but you're, you are hundred percent right. And I know you're right. And I would say that you're right, but I won't fight me tooth and nail every step of the way. Yeah. I will hundred percent fight you tooth and nail hundred percent of the way. It's like, I don't know. I will find a way to be right myself. And you're no, you're supposed to be wrong. And, and that's how it is for me. And I, I hate that about myself, but, um, but I do need to make a change and I do need to find the light at the end of that tunnel because that that tone it's not working for you no it's i mean not. clearly it's not working for you and so you know and the only person you can change is you yeah yeah i, I gotta reach that light i know it's there i can't see it right now 
but I know it's there. Damn, I wish I had a flashlight in here. <laughs> I've got about 10 different lights on me right now, and I still can't <laughs> see the light, you know? Um, <laughs> but no, in all reality, it's like, you know, you again, you gave me a lot to think about and a lot to go back to my, my therapist with on Sunday, um, which I will. I'm, I'm like, hey, look, this lady said this. Let's go ahead and talk about this. Maybe this will work. Because... Um, at this point, I'm willing to try anything because um, I don't want to be like this. I want, I do want to make an active change. Um, it, it's just about how and how is it going to make sure, how do I make sure that it still fits my personality? Mm -hmm. Because I, I, you know, in the reality of it all, I, I don't want, truth be told, let's, let's be real here. I, I like being able to have that sarcasm come out of nowhere and just to, to break tension in the room. Cause especially when it won't get rid of it. Exactly. So I, but I guess that's part of the, the thing. Like if I heal myself, I'm going to stop being, you know, the funny guy that I am. Cause I, I won't have anything funny to say anymore. Now I'll be boring. No, I'm going to be boring. <laughs> you boring dude. Okay. So I went in weird. I came out weird, except smarter in this area. Yeah. I'm going in weird, and I'm, uh, I'm I, I don't know any other way. Weird, weird will still stay there. You know what I mean? I hope so. You know, I mean, I went in, you know, kind of blunt with, you know, when I'm talking to people, still blunt. Yeah. <laughs> I just like me more. Yeah, I, I don't like who I am. And see, that's the part that needs to get worked on. I mean, there's aspects of myself that I really, truly enjoy, but it's at the end of the day, it's like, oh, you suck. <laughs> mm -hmm. Just go to bed. There's no reason for you to even breathe breathing right now. Just go to bed. <laughs> okay, <laughs> whatever. Okay, so you should take this little clip right here and play it for your therapist. Oh, I, 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 I know she watches the show. Oh. Because hey. she critiques... <laughs> everything i do on this show like she'll be like derek now why did you say that derek what did you say and why did you do that derek derek like uh it was it was fake no we know we both know right now it's not fake she's like she knows where the jokes stop and the realism begins regardless of how regardless of the tone in my voice mm -hmm. she's like nope i know how real that was no you don't i was just kidding i was just kidding <laughs> Um, but it's true. <laughs> it's like, damn. Um, but no, seriously, again, uh, Dr. Rita, thank you so much. Um, you've given me a lot to think about, and I'm sure you've given a, the thousands that listen to this show a lot to think about too, because I'm sure some of them suffer the exact same things. It, it's, you know, it, it's knowing where, you know, where the issue is and how, and getting the courage to fix it, but you've got to have that those components otherwise it's never going to happen mm -hmm. you can know where it's coming from but not want to fix it just like oh screw it it'll, it'll eventually fix itself or you know that's a problem but you don't know how, why it's a problem and then you don't do anything about it just like okay it'll fix itself but you've got to make sure that we're you know you're focused on who you are as a person and, and everything else in between in order to make sure that we achieve the goals that we want to achieve exactly um so you want to tell everybody where they can find your book and where they can find more information about you? 
Sure. So they can find everything about Dr. Rita Louise at soulhealer.com, S-O-U-L-H-E-A-L-E-R, soulhealer.com. You can get the dysfunctional dance of the empath and narcissist on my webpage, soulhealer.com, as well as any of my other books. Um, anything you buy from my webpage, because I do charge, charge shipping, uh, comes autographed, but that's priceless. Um, but it's also available on Amazon.com, Barnes Noble. It's available in a Kindle Nookie format, whatever, whatever. Um, but on my website, there's also a bunch of articles and videos. Um, for Since we're talking about this topic, I've just started an uh, article series on healing uh, trauma, healing PTSD, basically. Um, it started a couple of weeks ago, and so um, if you sign up for my newsletter, you'll get the new mailings, but there's also links to everything that's from the, the series that it's come out, you know, so if you missed an article, you can always go back to one of the earlier articles and pick that one up, and so if you go to soulhealer.com and sign up for the newsletter, you will get it automatically in your mailbox. Fantastic. And all the links to all of her stuff that she just mentioned is in the bio of this video and the podcast. So take a look at the description, click those links and take a look at her and her book. Um, very fascinating stuff and very helpful stuff. Um, it, it's definitely one of those things that can start you on that guiding to self-help and self-healing. But, you know, it's it's that first the first point where you got to recognize it. And I think that book is definitely the the right place to start, especially with relationships. So yeah. again, Dr. Rita, thank you so much for being here. Um, it was a pleasure and an honor to talk to you. I, again, I will be definitely taking this to my therapist this weekend and <laughs> see what we could start doing because you're, you're right. And I know you're right. And I just needed to hear from somebody else to just reaffirm it with myself. So thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. As far as everybody else goes, thank you so much for being here. Please come back tomorrow for more fun and exciting shows on this craziness of a podcast. So guys, stay healthy. Hell, I can't talk. Stay healthy, stay happy, and as always, stay heavy. We'll see you guys later. Peace.